This is the Hope for the Hood podcast, brought to you by Prodigal Sons Incorporated. Guys, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us. Yeah, our pleasure. Amazing. (laughs) Amazing. Well, (laughs) hey, why don't you guys just kind of kick it off by telling us a little about yourself, um, maybe just some of your background, where you grew up, how long have you been in LA, Yeah, all that. Uh, Well, I'm Allison. Uh, I am originally from Texas, uh, so really a background not anywhere like anywhere in L.A. Um, I moved to L.A. in 2018, I believe. Is that right? Uh, no, I don't think so. 2017. 2017? Yeah, 2017. You know, mm-hmm. one of those late teen wow. numbers. June's uh, already stalking you back then. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> yeah, I moved out here. Didn't know June. Uh, so in that amount of time, we've gotten married. So it's been exciting. Wow. How long did you guys know each other before you got married? Uh, Was that like an immediate thing or? Just over a year. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, just over a year. So so June, were you you in LA for a long time before (laughs) 2017, 18? Um, hmm. It's an interesting question. I'm originally from Colorado. I'm from Boulder. Um, And I moved out to go to college here in 2011. Uh, And so... I've been out in California since 2011, if you count college, but I've been living full time, like in Los Angeles since 2014. Okay. Um, so yeah. What, so you guys have lived in different parts of LA. We have. I know this, but share a little bit about the neighborhoods you've lived in. Just mm-hmm. kind of a high view of where you've been. Mm-hmm. Ooh, this is interesting. So you started out at college, right? I started out in college. I went to uh, a small school called Pepperdine. It's out in, in Malibu. Uh, so I lived it's there. Rough neighborhood. Yeah, it's tough out there. It's <laughs> unlike you've, anything you've ever seen. Um, and then after, after college, I moved out to um, the Valley. So I, I worked okay. out in Northridge for some years. I, I worked in Chatsworth for some years. Um, and then at a certain point, I moved to Culver City. And then I became a, kind of a West Sider. Um, and then I started working for the church, this church here in 2018. Uh, and then, wow, now I'm kind of recounting. I've lived, I've lived in a lot of different places. And then I got married to Allison, of course. And then we moved out to South LA, just south of downtown, um, in 2020. Mm-hmm. So Allison, what about you? Where's your... So I have not really ventured outside of like a four mile radius in my LA journey until recently. Um, You forgot that we actually moved back to the West side recently, but started in what's called historic South central, which is just South of downtown uh, geographically. And then for maybe like a year or so, I was in the arts district of downtown and then I moved right back to where I started. And that's where June and I were up until a month ago. Mm Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay. Did you guys real quickly, Colorado, Texas, was it city? Was it suburb? What was the vibe of your upbringings? And- I'm from the burbs, baby. I'm from the country. June, okay. okay. I've been to June's house. He has like a mountain. It's like a lo- just just plains. He owns it. Just just like. <laughs> yeah, it's my mountain. Fields, 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 fields. Mountain. Yeah. His, face, his face is carved in it, like yeah. Mount Rushmore. It's my yeah. personal mountain. Mount June Moore. <laughs> wow. That's deep. Yeah. Definitely from the burbs, though. Yeah, Alice, Allison's house is like, dude, it's like in the middle of the of the country. Like, there's a there's there's not even a paved 
road that leads to your house, I think. Right? There, there is. Is that's, it dirt? That's, that's not accurate. No. I, 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 <laughs> but I did grow up with like donkeys and goats and like, you uh, know. If we had time, you should you should share it. No, no we're not going to share We're not going to go there. We're not going to go there. <laughs> so it is very obviously different context than mm-hmm. uh, concrete jungle of L.A. Oh, yeah. 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 So I, I drove out here from Texas with my mom in the car. And pulled up to a house in historic South Central. And, you know, that's a big shock for for me, but also for a mom leaving her child in Los Angeles, mm-hmm. which already kind of has, like, you know, a bad reputation of being a dangerous place. And then you mm-hmm. go somewhere that, you know, isn't quite as shiny as, as other places mm-hmm. at first sight. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's funny. I feel like Allison has way more street smarts than I do, you know? It's uh, probably that. It's probably that Malibu like yeah. comfort. That, I'm like, oh man, what, what am I doing on this podcast? Allison's the one that needs to be on this podcast. So, so having having lived in such, you know, really this whole spectrum of Los Angeles neighborhoods, um, if you were to describe, you know, just kind of what high level LA, um, uh, what what's LA like? Like, what are just some broad observations? Uh, about the city, about people here. Um, yeah, maybe Allison kick it off. Sure. I think the first thing that comes to mind is just that LA is incredibly varied um, and it kind of operates in pockets, I would say, um, of kind of like what the culture looks like. And, you know, that that pocket can change really quickly. Mm. Um, and so... As like someone moving in here, I think that there always has to be a perspective of willingness to learn the pocket that you're in Mm -hmm. and a humbleness to learn, to know that like I could step into the next pocket Mm -hmm. and be in a totally different um, context that I don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. Mm, That's a really good point. Yeah. It's funny. uh, You know, um, I've been in L.A. for a while. I mean, I, I realized I've been in L.A., Almost for longer than I've lived in, in in Colorado, which which is an interesting kind of thought that hit me recently. Uh, and yet, uh, my friend my friend has a saying. Um, I don't know if he coined it or not, but he he is now in D.C. But he used to live out here with me, and he would always call himself a developing Angelino. And I'm like, when are you ever going to become a developed, like a finished product, Angelino? <laughs> And he's like, you know, I, I I think he made a great point about about um, the city. I think there's about probably about many cities across the nation. But he's always he he's like, I don't think there's ever a point where you're a developed Angelino. So he he would always coin himself as a developing Angelino, and that kind of stuck with me, um, especially because I'm not a native. Um, I think that's one thing, uh, a perspective that I can never understand is from a native Angelino's you know viewpoint. Mm-hmm. And so I've always kind of, I, I took after him. I, I've always kind of considered myself a developing, a never finished product kind of uh, an Angelino. Because to Allison's point, there's so many different facets of this city. It's so vast that I've only been able to explore, you know, I've been able to scratch the surface. Um, and there's still so much to to see, so much work to be done um, in this city. It, 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 it can, you know, sometimes seem daunting, but that's kind of, I think why the Lord has, has brought us here is, is cause wow, there's so much work to do. And, and it's very humbling um, mm-hmm. to feel like you're never a finished product. And yet the Lord is using us in, in, in whatever direction he chooses to in the city. Mm-hmm. And there's that opportunity here, which is, which is really cool. I have a quick 
follow-up question with so i'm a native evangelino i've never lived outside of la county so like coming from other states what was the perception of la or california in your guys context i uh <laughs> i i thought beach and surfers that's the only okay. thing i thought about la okay. um and so hmm. shoot man when i was in high school i thought santa clara was in la um <laughs> so, no santa clarita not santa clarita <laughs> And so I remember when I got to college, there's this guy, uh, this guy named Derek that I knew. Um, and I'm like, you like, you know, like really tussled kind of like Brian's hair, right? Like dirty blonde. I have beautiful hair, um, but not as beautiful as Danny's uh, hair. And I thought like, wow, this guy is L.A. Like this guy probably surfs. Turns out he doesn't surf. But that's what I thought of. It was like people just surf all the time. It's mm-hmm. L.A. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what I thought about. We have different personalities. June is definitely the optimist and I'm the more of Mm. the realist. So background, when I was moving out to L.A., I was working for a in a position where I had to fundraise to to come here. And uh, so I don't know if this came from myself or it came from others, but I would meet with these people who lived like definitely not here and never lived here. And the repeating message was always you better be safe. It's dangerous. Like mm. you better, you better not go. Someone actually told me like, I shouldn't go outside at night. <laughs> mm. um, and so I kind of had that reverberating in my mind. Um, mm. But by and large, it was a complete mystery. I, I decided to move out here. Never actually having been here. I had been to Long Beach, mm. um, which, you know, yeah. to June's Santa Clara. Point, <laughs> you know. LA is sprawling, but it's neither of those places. Yeah. That's funny. Like, cause when I moved out here in 2010, it was um, a similar similar vibes from coming from the south. It was like, oh, L.A. Like, hmm. you know, it's so it's so horrible there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like actually before you know, even from moving from Northern California, um, I lived there for a little while, and the mentality, and particularly from a lot of people in the even in the church, was, oh, like you know, don't go don't go to South Central. You know, it's, it's really dangerous. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, even, even encouraging me to go to churches that were more of a haven from the city. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, get out, get out of that. And so, um, we moved to South central, you know, I lived (laughs) there and, um, that was incredibly formative and transformative for me. But now I want to hear about even about that for you guys. Um, I know Allison, you've lived there for longer, but both of you having lived in this historic South central neighborhood, mm-hmm. um, kind of just explain what, what the experience living there was like for you. Mm. Um, yeah. And even kind of what you even saw God teach you, you know, about others or your own mm. perspective during that time. Mm. I don't know if you have anything to say, Al. I think before I even answer the question, it should be said like it's a it's a big question. It's mm-hmm. a, I think that's a really really big question um, that that definitely you know forty minutes on a podcast can't cover. Uh, I mean I, I think we all know that, but um, yeah, I just I thought I'd kind of share that there's so much. Uh, reflection that we've just done even in the past month really reflection that we've done about where we were living about potentially living there once again um not to mention reflections and and thoughts that we've had over the past you know 
two and a half years. Uh, so so I, I kind of want to throw that out there mm-hmm. before we even begin to answer. I don't know if you have any thoughts. Um, well, I mean, along not along those lines, but uh, I think that – will you repeat your question? Yeah, I think maybe it would just be helpful to hear, like, what was it like living – in historic South Central for you, particularly coming from that background. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, especially with like the context of, you know, the perceptions you guys had on LA growing up where you guys grew up and then you guys not only come to like the city city, you guys come to a part of the city that's everybody kind of wants to stay away from. Right, right. I I think for me, something that was really important early on was to become a learner of my context and – I think there are like in certain areas where we can be afraid of learning that it will like bring up more to the surface that will make us afraid. But I think that it helped me learn about the neighborhood I was learning in to be less afraid. Um, And there's a lot in that. Right. So learning about a group of people, let's like gangs, for example, humanizes them. They're they're people. Mm -hmm. They're just like me. Mm -hmm. They're not this like um, subgroup that only exists in, you know, stories, um, but Mm. they're my neighbors. Mm. Um, so learning, I think was really crucial to me. Um, but on the other side of that, I think there were points of, um, learning sometimes was detrimental to me of like knowing everything that was going on in the neighborhood, like Mm. is like, it's shocking, Mm. um, just to hear about the things that, became kind of like norms in our neighborhood. Um, Mm. Yeah. Mm. What would you, I mean, if you have anything in mind, like what, what, what were some of those uh, things that happened in the neighborhood that you refer to? A lot of violence. Um, And so something I was thinking about as I knew we were going to come on here is just the, it's, it's this strange dynamic of when you hear police helicopters over you every single day and you hear, you know, different news of um, shootings or just violence in general, how it's really easy to become desensitized to it. Mm. And so it's like this one thing that like one day was shocking and then the next thing you know, you're like, oh, the helicopters are back out, you know, mm. and like you don't even care and you have to like catch yourself of like mm. finding that pocket kind of of caring but also not like living in fear it's kind of a hard mm. hard place to find yourself in well that's really good yeah that's that's very interesting you say that because i was even thinking about your guys' dynamic and like the reality of if i again i've, I've known june and allison for a long time and i know where they lived and i know they lived with the dillards on this certain part of south central and I knew the context of where they all lived. And I think the realities that were there partially based on the gang dynamics. Um, it, it's interesting because I think long, like, well, you know about that area, that context, the long-term residents are very desensitized mm-hmm. and you guys having lived there for just the stint you were there also, kind of became desensitized sure. to. And so I think that's just a very interesting point that, you know, like the, it's so normal mm-hmm. that desensitization comes very quickly. Right. It seems like. Right. So. Yeah. I, I think it was really humbling. I, I think that's one thing that I want to say. It, it was really humbling moving into uh, your, your former house, Brian, uh, because 
Um, I kind of had an image of what South Central was before coming to LA. And you kind of hear about it in like rap music mm-hmm. um, and, and movies and, and shows and stuff. And then I had a conception of South Central when I moved to LA. And then I had a con- conception of what South Central was uh, upon going to church and then meeting Danny. Mm-hmm. And then I, I saw, I saw, I had like these layers of of what I thought about um, um, the hood from just you know uh, from years past, and and but then going into and actually living in it, and sometimes it, it kind of felt like kind of right in the middle of of it, um, and then seeing how the neighbors were, I think that was actually really surprising and kind of shocking thing uh, that 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 we ran into in that the man I don't even know how to put it, but but our neighbors they don't they don't like violence yeah mm. like our neighbors they don't mm. like crime mm. uh frankly like our neighbors they don't like the gangs that are that surrounded our neighborhood mm. they mm. saw them as a nuisance they saw them as a problem yeah. um and so it was really fascinating i think that's what is is striking to me it was really fascinating that our neighbors had a this this perception of their neighborhood as theirs and they don't want any problems coming into their neighborhood which makes sense any neighborhood is going to think that way mm. um and so it, that's that's one thing that kind of surprised me because i went into that neighborhood thinking like okay um you know very uh <laughs> um you know that that privilege privilege like like oh i'm gonna like i'm gonna get to know everything about it i'm gonna be able to help people that are living in it, mm-hmm. right? Um, very, it was ignorant, I, I think, mm-hmm. uh, in a sense. Uh, and then, and then getting into it and being like, "Whoa!" Like, actually, um, they don't really glorify the violence or the crime that's happening in here at all. Mm. Um, but they also don't necessarily agree with you that like we need to like extend love. So I think that that was like the hard, yeah. the hard nuance of you mm-hmm. think about your neighbor to all of these people, your neighbor to the abuela down the street, as well as the gang member. Mm-hmm. And they think differently about one another. Oh, like yeah. it's not this really like one size fits all kind yeah. of, this is how you love your neighborhood. Yeah. Um, because they have opinions of one another and you have yeah. to kind mm-hmm. of figure out, how do I how do I extend grace and kindness to like yeah. all these people that are thinking differently from one another? Yeah, those are really good. Those are really good points and topics of conversation. I'm glad you guys brought those up because I think when I would go over to you guys' place, even before you guys ever before I ever knew you guys, and you guys, including you, Brian, like living over there, like I I'd driven to that area a, a handful of different times, and when you drive through there. Like it is heavily marked up and down on buildings mm-hmm. with graffiti, specifically a lot of gang graffiti, mm-hmm. letting you know. And it doesn't get painted over immediately, so it's there. It gets crossed out a lot. It gets you know all that stuff. And I think if you're just kind of looking at it from a, a passenger in a car, like you just think like, oh, this is accepted. Like this mm-hmm. is a gang area. Mm-hmm. And this is just how it is. And everybody's going to know somebody who's in a gang. And But I think also hearing the perspective of like, yes, there are a lot of people in the community that don't want to live 
under this sort of umbrella of violence and fear. Like, yeah. And it's a very tough balance of, man, how do you love people that everybody wants to avoid? And at the same time, try to understand that like, also in a sense, showing grace and mercy and understanding towards people who don't want nothing to do with mm-hmm. what yeah. comes with that. And I think we always think that's like, oh, it's, it's the elite in society that don't want anything to do with gangs. And it's true, but they're out of a context where they don't have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Right. And you guys are in a context where it's like, or we're in a context where it's like, it's like a, a, a teeter totter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, I, yeah, that's just, I just wanted to reaffirm that. That was a good observation point. And, that I and up. even with real quick about like your, your observation about like a uh, elite, mm-hmm. um, academia kind of, um, we lived, we should say, we lived in uh, historic South Central in 2020, mm. Um, mm. which that in and of itself was just a fascinating time um, and in many really, really amazing ways and in many uh, confusing and detrimental ways as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the big things that happened in 2020, obviously, besides the pandemic, was a whole lot of social justice um the social justice movement kind of like sprang up hot that mm-hmm. year um racial tensions mm-hmm. uh uh police tensions um kind of societal ten- tensions overall so it was really interesting and i think i thought about I, we've thought about this so much and we discussed this so much but it's interesting because uh what you see on twitter and on social media and on the news about the hood is one narrative. It's 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 one single narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like, oh, like show sympathy towards uh, the people who live in the hood. Show, uh, extend a lot of mercy, extend a lot of grace. These people are human. And I think that's all really really amazing messages. I don't think that one narrative is necessarily a wrong narrative, but it was really difficult for us to kind of disseminate and dissect that narrative when you compared it with our neighbors, our direct neighbors, sometimes our next door neighbor who would say exactly the opposite of what I was reading on Twitter. Mm. Um, and frankly speaking, it's exactly what opposite of what the elite, that elite you're talking about mm-hmm. academic mindset was posting on Twitter mm. about um, gangs or the hood or um, race. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was, <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was. They were. They were. Um, we were kind of getting opposite viewpoints. One from outside of this bubble, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then one from inside of this, uh, you know, twenty first street bubble, kind of yeah. right. The pockets you talked about, right? Awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then mm-hmm. we're just kind of looking at each other, like, okay, what do we do? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> What's uh, right? And yeah. everything yeah. has a little bit of truth, and everything has a little bit of you know. Right. So yeah. it's like figuring that out is hard. Yeah. Very nuanced. <clears throat> so. Your experience of living, moving into that context, having these like aha and like what just happened and all sorts of moments um, is not unique to you. There's a lot of people, um, even like in our city, in our cities, who are Christians who are moving into contexts like this, right? How would you encourage them or what would you say to them to kind of? Give them perspective even as they go in. I I think the first thing I, I, I think of is it's okay not to know. Mm-hmm. Um 
there is sometimes a perception, and it's not always a bad thing, but I think as Christians, um, and especially as Christians who take the Great Commission seriously, there's almost a, a pressure, even if it's a felt pressure, of needing to go and evangelize and reach the lost, um, which is a good thing. That's that's definitely a good thing, and that should be in the hearts of every Christian, and that's what we're learning in church. But there's almost like this idea that just because that we, we have the Great Commission as kind of our duty to fulfill as Christians, we immediately have to be experts in a certain area that we're going out to to reach the lost. Mm. Um, I felt the same way going to Indonesia, some, honestly, a little bit, right? Like short-term missions kind of feel similar mm. to where, oh, we need to know this entire culture before you go. So you get a six-week crash course on this different country that you've never lived in before, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're supposed to know what to say and what to do. Um, I, I think moving to a different part of the city is the same, especially mm. if you're moving into south central but the but the thing is you you've never lived there your context isn't from there i've never lived there allison's never lived there and so it's okay not to know i love what allison said be a learner mm-hmm. right don't don't step in and immediately try to cause some sort of change mm-hmm. um just go in there with an open heart not even an open heart, but then also a soft heart and of, of uh, I don't know, just honestly compassion hmm. um, and understanding towards your neighbors. So yeah, it's okay not to know. It's okay not to be an expert is I think the what comes to my mind. Hmm. Uh, I was going to say the first thing that came to my mind is just being a learner. I think even for anybody who lives in, I'm, I'm going to say LA specifically, but I think this can be uh, true for any context that has um, a lot of gang activity. Um, the history of gangs, like why, why did gangs mm-hmm. like even begin mm-hmm. and, um, mm-hmm. like knowing about your neighborhood historically, what has happened there, I think has been really helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because again, that humanizes things. It, it like shows you the origin of why this was something that originated to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I really like what June said too, about like being a learner doesn't mean that like now you're the lead of the neighborhood watch and you're like patrolling your neighbors. Um, It's about learning to be a neighbor, which is um, moving towards people in kindness. And Mm. I think a lot, something I've thought a lot about since we've moved outside of that neighborhood, we, we every once in a while get comments of like, Oh, you must be so happy that you left. Like it's like Mm -hmm. so much safer now and, and where you are now or whatever. And I always respond back with like, but this old, this neighborhood that we lived in, like people have lived there for generations and like we were the outsiders, but like after we lived there for a time, we were able to identify like, oh, you don't live around here. And that's different than places like West LA where Mm -hmm. there's apartment buildings and people come and go Mm. a lot. And so there is this like almost familial mm-hmm. like feeling of safety of, I know my neighbors. Mm-hmm. I know that abuela is sitting up in the window watching the street. Um, and so like also just kind of realizing that there, there are things that are really unique and special about neighborhoods like this um, that haven't experienced a lot of the, the turnover that other mm-hmm. parts of LA do all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and not wanting to go in and change that and take that away, but, but be a part of, continuing that that tradition that exists and not getting rid of it. Mm. Yeah. 
It's helpful. Super helpful. Um, I kind of want to just, just so maybe listeners kind of have a little bit of a con like South LA. It's like South LA and gangs and violence. And then people just kind of put all three of those together and like, this is how it is. Mm-hmm. Um, like the context of where you guys live too. Can you kind of just give people a little idea of just like the, dy- like the, 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 just the gang dynamics of there. Like maybe give the, the listener just like a little bit of, uh, context of what it was like over there i i mean to my knowledge the street that we lived on was the intersection point for three three different yeah, I gangs think so. i think so yeah. and it's kind of like somehow i mean i would i, I don't know if you guys have this it's the citizen app it's 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 pretty neat um <laughs> a, a June, June June by citizen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, speaking of Plugging. which, I mean, um, what kind of kickbacks are they giving you for this yeah, app? Right. <laughs> but it's this app that that tracks um it's it's a good way to keep in touch with kind of what's going on in your neighborhood. Mm. Um but but this this app it, it tracks kind of what's going on right in the neighborhood. Um it it really is a two blocks down from our street and it's a very short two blocks. It's not two city blocks, it's two like neighborhood blocks down. Lots of tagging, just lots of crime and, and, and violence happens two blocks south of us. And then you go, uh, what, three quarters of a city block to the, to the east of us, and there's a lot going on there. Different tags. Different mm-hmm. tags, right. You go down um, past one city block south of us, and then there's different tagging. Um, uh, so it's, it, that, that context is, is really interesting. Cause yeah, we're, we're kind of at the intersection of three different gangs, um, that many times are not so friendly with one another. Mm. Um, so yeah, that, yeah. that paints it a little bit, I think. Yeah. It was pretty impossible to not feel the tensions of mm. the neighborhood yeah. when, when things were, were kind of stirred you see the, the. And part of that is knowing what to look for, right? Like mm-hmm. the crossed out tags or whatever. Um, but I think because it was such a, it's a densely populated neighborhood and there are many different gangs outside of even just what we just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, kind right. of like tension could be palpable at certain times. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, yeah. I wanted you guys to kind of share that because I think, especially on the West side in West LA, it's more spread out like mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. like, a city or a, a, an entire community of like multiple blocks. Whereas over there, it's like a, a small residential street is separating one gangs on this side and the other gangs on that side. Not to mention when you get to the major street, that's separating two or three different neighborhoods mm-hmm. on top of that. Like right. it's just, it, it's like really on top of each other over there. It doesn't necessarily mean there's shootings happening every day, obviously, mm-hmm, no. but I think just understand the context of this, like, like Allison brought up a, a few minutes ago about the history of like why gangs form. Like, it's not just like one big gang here, one big gang that there's like so many that are forming out of the same results and issues in our communities, right. you know, and the same issues that are happening on 21st street are the same issues happening on 20th or 22nd or whatever, go down the line. And yet all these same issues are f- like forming different groups that hate each other. And it's just crazy to think that like, you know, that that's part of our city. And like, if you don't, like you guys are saying too, wanting to, willing to learn about it and just think like, 
there is, I guess, like you used the word privilege earlier, like that you can just kind of have your hands off to anybody understanding like, man, this is just so crazy that people are flocking towards these things because there's real hurt and trauma and it's happening on a block by block basis mm-hmm. yeah. over in that context. So. so you do live in a different context now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think most people, even like people who are, who are doing really well financially in the city aspire to live in this neighborhood. Um, and yet it is a gang neighborhood. There's a gang that's been here since the forties. Mm-hmm. And so um, just as you guys think about living here and we've been reflecting on living in South central, how do you kind of, what lessons are you taking mm-hmm. even as you live here um, to, to think about loving your neighbors and specifically even loving the gang in West LA? One thing that that we noticed a couple of days ago, really, was the the need to, I think, continue to learn. Maybe that's the best way to put Mm -hmm. it. Um, It's really easy. So (laughs) you hear about like athletes, you know, like LeBron, he's from Akron. And one of the criticisms of athletes who come from kind of these marginalized pockets of cities is is oh once they leave they never come back once they leave the hood they never come back to the hood and lebron you know pours a bunch of money in and starts school or whatever but he's never gonna actually go back to akron Mm. um and i think one thing that kind of popped up into my head recently is um, maybe not exactly why LeBron James isn't going to go back to Akron, but <laughs> but um, I realized once we moved back to the West Side, you're not. I mean, my phone is literally not getting alerts anymore hmm. um, a, from the Citizen app hmm. of what's going on. Hmm. Um, maybe there's like possible gunshots, and everyone in the comments is like, "Oh, it's just fireworks." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So that, like that's I'm not getting what is going on on 21st street actively on my phone. Mm. And it's making me have to actually look for that information. And I think that's something actually, frankly, Danny's taught me really, really well how to do. He's just, he's been able to guide me through that because he's not in a certain location all the time, but Mm. he's able to keep track with it. Um, And I think that's something that, you know, we've just had to be mindful of just because you move away from an area doesn't lessen your responsibility to maybe not that pocket of the city per se in our immediate context right now. Mm. But uh, if, if our prayers are for the whole city mm. and if our prayers are for the well being of the whole city and for the whole city to know Christ, yeah. why, why am I, why should I be forgetting about mm. pockets that I actually know? Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah, so that's that's one thing I thought of. To kind of add on to that, I think the sentiment that you're kind of talking about is that in and where we live right now, it is really easy to we can be a lot lazier than we we were previously. Um, because here, when we walk the streets, we see like a lot of dogs and moms with strollers. Mm. Um, and that was not the case of the neighborhood that we came from. And so I think it's easy for us to forget that we're still living in a gang neighborhood as well. Mm-hmm. Um the tagging, like we see the tagging, but it's so much like 
less yeah. <laughs> like like it's kind of like you kind of see it on like a construction site or whatever mm. um and so i would say that our answer to your original question brian is that we're kind of still learning what it means to love this neighborhood um and like we're aware and we want to continue to be aware of the different demographics that are here but i think when we're talking about our gang neighbors specifically they're a lot more hidden here mm. and um it is I think something we're still learning of how do we how do we seek that better and how do we um, continue to to keep that prayer on the top of our hearts. Yeah. yeah. Going back to your word pocket too, I think it's interesting, right? Because I was thinking about this as you guys were talking, describing like knowing the knowing the communities you lived at currently live in, and if an outsider is just observing it, one would be like oh, wow, this is a gang area. The other people might not jump on that as quickly. There's these two very different contexts. One might look more obvious than the other, mm-hmm. but it kind of goes to show in LA, there's just gangs mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like you really can't get away. And the thing is, I think even the gang that's over here has been over here longer than the gangs that were in your context on your streets, you know, just historically, like, but it's just like, the reality is you can look at all these different parts of the city, drive through it and think it's like, oh, it's okay. You don't, you know, all the gang activities in South Central or Compton or Boyle Heights. But the reality is you explain two different contexts of where you guys are living and both are dominated, quote unquote, by gangs Mm -hmm. and stuff. And so, um, yeah, and I think, I think like you guys explained the tensions of like what life is like is a little different, but I think the heart's attitude and the prayer, the learning, all those things are still like what is being uh, striving for. You guys have talked a lot about learning. Um, You talked about, you know, growing and awareness. And I'd love to hear like, and really would invite you to kind of share with listeners, like what are some practical ways that they can begin to do that? I have a couple of specifics that come to mind. Um, Documentaries and books were like the first things that came to mind. Mm. Um, I think if you're in LA um, or if you're moving to LA, watching like LA is falling, is that what it's called? There's, there's several really great documentaries on just like the history of LA Mm. um, that it will provide you helpful context no matter what neighborhood you're living in that I would highly recommend. Um, and then a book that comes to mind is G-Dog and the Homeboys. Mm-hmm. Um, that book took place in Boyle Heights, which was, you know, half a mile from where I lived in the arts district, mm-hmm. but a decade later. And so like reading about yeah. just like what that neighborhood looked like and where it came from and um, was really eye opening to me. Mm-hmm. Um that's the first two that come to mind. I think another resource that was kind of eye-opening was the the history of redlining. Yes. I know that could be a, a hot topic, but it, it is it is very fascinating to see mm-hmm. um, that one as well. That's a that's a video or it's a chart. Um, I think, oh man, I forgot the year, but it's a it's a chart. It's a it's a map of the city. Um, I think it's like nineteen. I want to say like nineteen thirty. Um, and it's literally a, a, a map of the city divided up into mm-hmm. where <laughs> different races were were to be. Mm. Um, 
yeah, the yeah. 21st, like our historic South Central, that whole neighborhood was meant to be almost like a dump off zone for like unwanted immigrants and, and black people. Mm. Uh, Sawtell, this neighborhood right here was supposed to be for the unwanted Japanese immigrants. Mm. It, it's, it's all very fascinating. Like the, 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 I don't know, it, it, the just griminess of it all, mm. right. Of, of city planning that went in, mm. uh, that went the history behind the plan of our city yeah. uh, was very eye opening. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And that, that's, I mean, you might be listening and thinking like, Oh yeah. Redlining. Like how's it correlating with the gang? Like redlining is a big factor in how wide gangs develop. Like it's not because like, Oh, there's redlining. Okay. Gang. Like there's just so much history and so much little nuances that resulted because areas were redlined and gangs ended up thriving. Right. And, uh, like when you look at places that, and I haven't seen the map in a long time, but like places that weren't redlined and were like more fluent and more white people, like, those areas have never been plagued by gang activity or gang violence, really, you know? Um, and so. Well, it's also the areas that didn't get uh, city mm-hmm. kind of like funding. Yeah. And so it's also why whenever you all of a sudden turn into a new neighborhood and you're like, whoa, it's really run down. Yeah. And you can see the direct ramifications yeah. of the lack of city funding that yeah. have gone into certain areas, yeah. which affect the culture and the attitude and, yeah. you know, yeah. you name it. I, I think it's, I'm grateful you guys said those sources because I think, you know, gang members, gang, they don't wake up one morning and just be like, okay, I'm going to start shooting people and I'm going to do this and do like, there is like so much behind why that culture um, operates as it does, you know? And there's just so many, and like all these things, like even you talk about like these resources, like it's good to like, again, that learning process to, think through those things and watch those things or read those things because those are like small little building blocks of like, man, this is some of the reasoning why we see what we see. Right. You know, and stuff like that. Yeah. So. Um, and I think one more thought on that and then I'll, I'll answer that question is um, these resources, uh, it's kind of like what, what I, I, say about theology um any the- all theology is meant to be practical theology so no matter what you learn and no matter what topic you might study no matter how heady the the concept is that you're studying uh, in theology it's all meant to be practiced in your own personal life in your heart or with your neighbors that's that's all mm-hmm. all theology is meant to be practical theology mm-hmm. and i kind of see that it's the same way with with these resources um i'm tempted to stay with my nose buried in a book Mm-hmm. or my eyes watching a TV, uh, a show or documentary. But all that is meant to pave the way to us loving our neighbor more. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Amen. And, and, and I think one thing that was really helpful, just side note with that, was watching. Um, I know this is also a resource I'm learning, but still like understanding why gang members turn two gangs, um, I think was, was really, really powerful and eye opening and mm. that you're right, Danny, like not, not everybody wa- wakes up and thinks to themselves, I'm going to commit crime. I'm, I just want to do bad things. Yeah. Nobody thinks like that, but it's this, if you grow up in it, it, it you can say that about anybody. You can say yeah. that about, uh, about the, the, the private school kid in orange County. Yeah. 
they're growing up in that neighborhood. That's all they know in that neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So of course they're going to want to trend towards that direction of being, you know, a private school kid in Orange County. If you're a private school kid in Orange County, it's nothing, no, nothing against you. Yeah. But it's just it, it's it is what it is. I, I the same way. I'm from the burbs. You grow up in the burbs and you adapt the 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 mentality and the mindset of a kid from the burbs. Yeah. And it's really difficult to break that. Yeah. Um. And so why is that any different for anybody else mm -hmm. uh, for a gang member? Yeah. Um. So it, it just it brought a thought up about that. Yeah. Um. But also to answer your question, Brian, about people just kind of living in LA, advice if people were to, were to move in. Um. As, as people as we were all talking, I kind of uh, flipped to Jeremiah twenty nine. I think this is one of the most powerful chapters in all of scripture about loving your neighbor, um, about being in a city because yeah, Israel, they're in exile for 70 years. They're going to be in exile before the Lord has anything good to show Israel. Mm. And, and the Lord says, okay, you're going to be here for 70 years, plant down, root down, mm. take wives, take husbands, build families, love your neighbor, seek the good of your city. Mm. Um, and I, I, I think that's to, that's to all of us, all Christians that move to LA, no matter what neighborhood it is, you could be moving to Beverly Hills or South central. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The whole point of you living there as a Christian is you're an ambassador. And so to be an ambassador, you need to represent the, the values and the culture of your kingdom, the King that sent you. And so I think no matter where you are, that should be our main focus is how are we going to be ambassadors for the king? Mm. And part of that is it looks like planting your roots down in that part of the city. Mm -hmm. No matter, like Alice and I were in South Central for, for, for two and a half years, right? And in that two and a half years, the biggest challenge we had was trying to plant down and root knowing one day we were, we were going to move mm -hmm. and it became even harder with the prospect of moving, becoming a reality. Mm. And yet at the same time, it, it's like an intentional focus and intentional. We almost have to like reach outside of our comfort zone to even go and talk to the neighbor next to the street. Who's washing his car. Mm. Um, I, that's what I want to encourage people with. Mm. I know many of us here, many of us move into LA are transients here, you're here for school, for, for a job, for a role. That gives you no excuse to, mm. to not do the work that the Lord has called you to do in the city. Mm. Mm. Amen. Right? You're not just receiving. You're not coming to church here at Cornerstone or at any other church if you're a Christian just to receive a sermon, to receive the worship music, and then go home and be on your merry way and do your job by yourself. Mm. You're, you're learning all these things and you're doing all these, th all these things in order to work hard at your job, love your family, support your family, and also go and love your neighbors. No matter if you're here for six months or six years or for the rest of your life. Yeah. The preacher came out. Yeah. I love it. I know. I'm about to go <laughs> repent right now or something. <laughs> um, no, that's, yeah. That's, that's, yeah. So good. Sorry, Jim. That, that's, that's, that's what it was. It's good. It's good stuff. This has been an episode of the Hope for the Hood podcast by Prodigal Sons Incorporated. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to Cornerstone West Los Angeles, where we host this podcast. Adam Bond for editing, and of course, those who regularly give to support the ministry of Prodigal Sons. Thanks for liking and subscribing. We'll catch you next time right here on the Hope for the Hood podcast.